Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Victor Marks is just amazing. Now, I am uh, indebted to Victor Marks because I met Victor at an event last summer, and I was so blown away by his dog, I was like, I want one. And so he helped set that up. You guys know Mr. Briggs or have seen a picture of him. Um, they come from the same company, Bad and Canine, in uh, Canada. They're amazing. And uh, Victor is just incredible. He, uh, has, a, he has a full-time ministry uh, where he goes and teaches Biblical truth with marriage. You guys were just in Iraq doing a marriage conference. We're in, not exactly the hot spot for a marriage conference, a Christian marriage conference, but maybe it was the hot spot. Um, anti-child sex trafficking all across the world, one of the most powerful ministries and someone who loves the Lord. Um, and I'll tell you what, in a world where it's hard to find strong men, Victor Marks is one of them. So please join me in welcoming the great Victor Marks. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks, Joe. So introduce your friend here, Victor. This is Fifi, my service cat. She identifies as a cat. This is, this is Scout. Uh, Scout is a Belgian Malinois. And um, I've had her five years. She's, she'll be, she's almost, she'll turn six in June. And... Um, She's one of the few dogs that's faced ISIS fighters. And then within a couple hours of, you know, that, uh, she was letting women and children that we had recovered or rescued hug her. So it's a, it's a, it's a real dramatic switch, but she's great. And, uh, oh, seats. Good. She's a sin sniffer. So who's over there? That's... <laughs> Not doing well with this. That's my security guy. Jeff, need to do some repentance? One of the funniest things about Scout, we were in a, a big airport, and we're walking, and um, uh, a, a guy and a gal walk up to me, and, the, and the, the young gal goes, can I pet your dog? I said, well, first, thank you for asking, because it says, do not pet. And... <laughs> And I said, sure, go ahead. So the girl's petting her and the guy standing next to her. When she was done, he went to pet her. And I went, oh, I wouldn't do that. He goes, why not? I said, well, she's not really trained to allow men to pet her. And sure as I'm sitting here, he, in a very loud voice with a lot of people watching, goes, why are you judging my gender? And I said... Uh, leave it. It's not a threat unless it's a threat. And then we'll just unhook this for a minute. We'll continue to talk. So this guy goes, why are you judging my job? Uh, leave it. Brothers, come see. So when he said, why are you judging my gender? Leave it. I said, 
your gender, and it was a guy. And I was like, uh, because you're a guy. And he goes, you have no right to judge my gender. And everybody's watching now, and, you know, I'm the older white man who's a threat to America, and (laughs) I can feel the eyes, so I just go, well, okay, man, hey, okay, better if you want, she'll decide what gender you are. (laughs) He opted not to pet her. So, Victor, uh, let's talk about why, why do you do what you do? You travel the world. You're in some of the most dangerous places. You're doing rescue missions, ministry. Why do you do it? Uh, to get away from my house. Uh, no, actually, no, because some of the things that we do, most guys come back from combat areas or the work that we do. You come home to your wife. You're like, yeah, ISIS was shooting at me on this trip. And uh, they were trying to, you know, we, uh, my wife just looks at me and goes, yeah, I was there with you. So my wife, actually, of 34 years this year, is one of our most courageous team members who does the deal with us all over the world. I think, Charlie, one of the reasons why we do, first, it's a calling. Two, I wasn't great in ministry in America. Uh, I tried to be a pastor for a while. And if you, maybe she was under me for a while. Sorry, I apologize. Um, no, when I knew, because I was involved in churches as an assistant pastor, and then, you know, I tried to be a senior pastor, which was interesting. But when I really realized I'm not called, I mean, I'm called by God, but not, I don't fit into this space was, uh, I remember there was a guy that came in for, uh, counseling and he had cheated on his wife and I met with her and you know I brought him back together you know forgive him he's a bum and all that and then a few months later he does it again and and increased in really just his poor choices of perversion the third time I get a call from her and she says he's high really high smoking crack and he's violent he cheated again, and he just left our house, and he knocked our little toddler against the wall. And she goes, I don't know if he's going to come to the church, but, um, you know, what do you think I should do? I said, you call the police right now, and I'm for your child. We'll let the governmental sources take care of him. And sure enough, he comes to the church, and he's like, he saw me, and he went to go to another pastor, and I said, nah, I'll take this one. I brought him to my office, had him sit in my desk away from the door, and he's like, oh, man, it's really bad. I said, yeah, I heard. And he's like, oh, what? And then I said, I heard you hit your daughter, your toddler, and bounced her off a wall. And then he starts this fake crying. I know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. And then he said these words. Maybe I should get hit. I thought to myself, I'm very comfortable in conflict. <laughs> so we, I executed the laying on of hands. And uh, it's biblical. I mean, come on. Don't, 
And as he's on the ground and I'm laying hands on him, the door, the door busts open and it's an associate pastor who's in heaven now. He's like, hey, Victor, Victor, come here. I was like, I'm counseling. That's really what I thought. I was like, did you just say, I don't interrupt you. And he's like, come here. And we stepped out and the guy's like, call the help me. And, he's, and he goes, hey, when people come here to get counsel, we don't hit them. I was like, oh, I don't know. We have a waiver. He asked for it. Guy's like, I'll take it from here. I go, yeah, he's, he's pretty relaxed right now. It'll be okay. So anyway, I realized, and some of you don't fit in the regular ministry. Uh, and I'm not saying, you know, the, the proving ground is if you have to hurt somebody's feelings. But the Lord did direct my steps to finally, where we started a ministry, not only reaching and rescuing those in harm's way, but also providing an avenue of justice to make those who are wicked, unrepented evildoers pay a price for what they've done. So, Victor, uh, talk more about what you do. Talk in some detail and some specifics. You know, give our audience a little window into that. Yeah, we started the ministry about 20 years ago. And before that, we were with a little uh, struggling ministry called Focus on the Family, a guy named James Dobson. I don't know if you heard of uh, So I was an assistant doctor, Dr. Dobson, uh, for a bit. And that's really where God launched us out of that because he is one of the uh, greatest men of integrity. What you read, what you see, it is him. And he, I mean, he's 85 and still him and Miss Shirley walk with the Lord. What a national treasure for the Christian faith and in our country. So my wife and I started reaching kids who were incarcerated because they had the most trauma in a condensed space. And then it grew. Uh, and most of this was born out of my background, which I'll share in a little bit. But it was interesting to see where God started placing us. And it eventually led to uh, the opportunity to go to Iraq when ISIS invaded and started attacking and killing. And the Lord told me to go through my wife. And I had just come back from Burma, and she's like, I think the Lord wants you to go to Iraq. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. And, uh, and we got in a good discussion about it, and I'm like, hey, I still got the mosquito fever right now. I'm not ready to. And she goes, well, you ought to pray. Have you prayed yet? I'm like, what's that got to do with it? I mean, and she said, pray. And I did. I didn't even finish the prayer. The Lord said, yeah, you're going to go. And then I put together a team. The mission was to help some girls who had been held captive by ISIS to help them recover from the trauma of it. And this was while ISIS is everywhere. I put together a great team, former SEAL team guys, uh, Delta, some Marines. Uh, Did I say SEAL? SEAL team guys, because if there's a picture taken, you got to have a SEAL in the uh, photo. I served in the Marine Corps, so some of you will get that. Um, and uh, put the team together. I said, okay, this, this is the mission. And then my wife, who's also my girlfriend, because it's safer and cheaper to have her as both. Uh, <laughs> tells me, the Lord 
is putting on my heart to go with you. I said, no, he's not. And then we got another argument. And uh, finally, I just said, you know, why do you want to go? And she looks at me and she says, I know you and the team will find those girls. And it made me feel proud. Like, yes, yes, ma'am, we will. She goes, but when you find them, you can't hug them. And they'll need to be hugged. I'll do the hugging. And I went, whoa, that's really, we need that. And then she said, honey, what's the worst that can happen? We die? I'm like, yeah, we, <laughs> we died. People are dying. And then she said this, but then don't we win? With such confidence. Trust me, my wife is a black belt. She can shoot multiple platforms, work a blade, drive armored vehicles. She is trained. And she's Irish. Uh, and she went and she did hug. So we end up getting a house there in Iraq. So if anybody want to come visit, it's great. There's, it's, uh, I hear it's nice this time of year. It is for about two weeks. And then the vents from hell open up and you can't breathe. And, um, but the opportunity is great. And again, like we were just in Iraq recently. Doing that marriage conference, like what you said, a marriage conference, three, over 300 people signed up to come to a marriage conference by two Americans. It gets funny when the guy's going, I'm having trouble with my first wife. And the second one, she's kind of, and that third one, oh my goodness. I'm like, all right, talk to my wife. She's. So yeah, God really did bless it. And you know the thing that shocked us most was the number of single young men that came out who have no role models or leaders as a man because most of their dads have been killed by ISIS. That's what we're facing there. And God is blessed and he continues to bless. So yeah, we, we help people who've been affected by trauma, whether in Iraq, Cambodia, south of the border, and even here in the United States, that is one of our main objectives. And it's played out what we call our faith in action uh, by looking at where darkness is and then running toward the sound of it to be the light. And I don't, I promise you, I don't sit up here saying that we're some lighthouse. We just go to the places that are so dark that if you're just a spark, everybody looks. And then God gets glorified. So counter-sex trafficking is one of our big uh, initiatives, and it is led by our team lead, Colonel Teagues, who's here. Can you stand up, sir, just so they, I want them to see your face. Just stand up. Let's give him a hand. He retired from the Army out of the Special Operations community. He was a Ranger that became a Green Beret, that became a Delta operator, that led men and teams. On over a thousand missions, he was awarded five bronze stars and a silver with a V for valor for the combat. And uh, he has helped remove from the face of the earth what we would call the manifestation of evil in people. So, Victor, talk about, you said your background prepared you for this? Yeah, you know, people ask me, why do you do this? And the short answer is, I had a childhood that, was representative 
of uh, suffering. And I wrote a little book uh, and uh, at an eighth grade level because eighth grade was the best six years of my life. Uh, <laughs> Kickball, watch me go because I'm shaving. No, I, you know, I would, uh, I tell people, folks will admire you for your success, but they'll relate to you because of your pain. And pain crosses all, it, it's a human condition. So my background is my father didn't claim me as this kid. The night my mother got pregnant by him, he actually shoved rosary beads down her throat and put a pistol to her head and threatened to kill her. Um, my mother would go on to marry six different men. And I went to 14 different schools, lived in 17 different houses. My father had a span of time where he was a drug dealer and a pimp and then got involved in the occult and was a practicing warlock. Um, because of that unstable background, I suffered as a kid. I suffered physical, sexual, and of course, emotional abuse. Um, I was tortured. I don't get emotional because of the memory. I get emotional because I thank God he redeemed my life. And truly, the scripture is right. What the devil meant for the worst, God can redeem for the best. But what I'd say to people who have suffered, the hardest thing for me was to replace the lies I had believed through the suffering, to replace it with the truth of how God actually views me. And I'll give you an example. There was one time the abuse came through my stepfather, the main abuse and torture. Uh, uh, he laid me on some pallets in the middle of the summer and tied me down on my back. As a kid, I had a really severe concave chest, and he poured water in it. And then he would take a cattle prod, and he'd stick the tip of it in the water, not to touch my skin so it wouldn't burn me, but just shock me. And my body would arch up. He'd release it. What Most people think that when you get electrocuted like that, when you release, you take a breath in. But actually, you don't because you see the, you see it coming at you. I would take a breath in and tighten, and he would hit me with that. And the moment it released, air would come out. I would exhale. And this man was so evil, he would lean forward and say, boy, do you know what that sound is? It's the sound of hope leaving your body. I had to... By the grace of God, learning that my hope is in Jesus, not the torment or the torture, and certainly not what a man who was demonized would tell me. And I did hate that man more than anybody else in my life. And I had to get, uh, I had to get help from my brain housing group, where I, I 123 visits in nine months to a trauma specialist. You do the math. I was there a lot. I've been on Depakote, Depakine, Prozac, Zoloft, Lithium, Buspar. And to have a psychiatrist tell you, uh, you will never fully function. And my mind thinks differently. I'm like, well, I never really did anyway. <laughs> Keep paying your student loan. Um, and 
I can tell you right now, by the grace of God, I never forgot the suffering. So when children suffer, I still hear their cries. And it is something else to be the real answer to a kid's prayer. It's real. It is real. And if not us, then who? Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.